Hey there, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Redeemed Through His Blood. Scott Durfee here, joined as always by Uncle Dave. What's up, Dave? Good to be back. Yeah, you just got back from a very, very wonderful trip, it sounds like. Amazing experience, really. My my sweetheart, Chris, has always, since she was a little girl, like five years old, her grandmother would read to her Robert McCluskey books, (laughs) Blueberries for Sal, one morning in Maine, um, all these, uh, you know, he lived in uh, in Maine on an island, <laughs> a little, well, it was called Deer, I- Deer Isle, and uh, anyway, she's always wanted to go to Maine, and I just thought we've got to do it this year, and I wanted to see the fall colors, and so we went, and what an unbelievable experience, it was so beautiful. I mean, just so strikingly beautiful. The the waves crashing on the rocks. I don't know. We must have gone to twelve lighthouses and and the uh, Isles of Maine. There's 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 dozens or hundreds of isles, islands, little islands, just little islands yeah. off the coast of Maine. Scott, I I ha- I really had no idea. And when we were right along the coast, we didn't go inland very far, so I. I didn't. I, f- I feel bad about that. We. Di- I maybe didn't get to see the real heart of Maine, but we we hung out on the coast and went up and down the coast, and uh, it was just a. And believe it or not, while we were there, somebody said to us, we we were telling them why we were in Maine because of Robert McCluskey, and uh, that we were going to go to Deer Isle and and uh, you know where he lived, uh, where he had kind of raised his family. And they said, well, did you know that there's a special display right now in, in Brunswick, Maine, and they have his, uh, some of his original drawings? Because he was more of an illustrator, really, than a writer. And uh, so we went to Brunswick Library. Pub- there are public libraries back there, by the way, are unreal. And we went to the public library where you can rent, not just uh, check out books, but you can check out cooking supplies and all kinds of other things. The public library is not wow. just for books in Brunswick, Maine, at least. That's really cool. You can check out anything. You can check out, you can rent yard equipment, check out all kinds of stuff. Really? Really, it's, un- it's <laughs> unbelievable. If you need a weed two- eater, you go to the library. Uh, anyway, there we saw the his original drawings. Wow. And uh, it was just like a spiritual experience for us. So I'm, I'm really thankful that we were able to have that... Uh, experience together and um it's been rejuvenating and well and uh humbling all all the same time you know david has a master's degree in history too and i'm sure that oh yeah i'm sure your your your, um visit to boston was just amazing as well well, right master's degree in american history so to go back there and walk the freedom trail yep start in the boston commons yeah and to walk that freedom trail was another spiritual experience for me. Yeah. It was really amazing. And uh, so I'm really thankful we were able to do that. Yeah. And thankful to, to be back and look forward to our session today, Scott. this We're kind of nearing the end of the course. Yeah, I think we are. I think this will probably, if if not the last, maybe the second to last uh, uh podcasts that we do for this season season two season two is drawing to an end and for season three uh, we are going to start again uh, and it'll be our third time starting again 
But it, it, isn't it cool, Dave, that every time that we start, we have a different perspective. You know, we have different questions that come from the audience. We're going to encourage that, maybe even with more fervor than we have in the past. Uh, we get those really cool different uh, perspectives. And, and, and each time, um, depending on, you know, where you and I are individually, where our families are individually, where the questions that we're coming from, those folks are individually, people in my institute class. Uh, I think it's just kind of cool how Heavenly Father directs us through the Spirit to talk about the things that I think are they're really kind of needful for all of us. Well, when I when uh, when I designed this course years ago, Scott, uh, because priesthood leaders, stake presidents specifically, had asked that we do something at the institute, the UVU Institute, uh, on helping their members to repent. I think the thing that surprised me was uh, that individuals taking this course, uh, it did help them with repentance, but they took it over and over and over again. That was a little discouraging to me at one point because I thought, are they not getting it? Why are they doing this? And then I, I just had a few students tell me, uh, really, n- not more than just a few, is how much it was uh, reinforcing to them yeah. to keep them in a state of repentance, not just uh, repenting and coming back into activity or or uh, working through their, at the time they called it probation or disfellowshipment or whatever, uh, but that it was strengthening to them, that it, that it was... Uh, it was the spirituality that they that they got from the course, and then when President Nelson started to talk about when he became president of the church that we should be daily repenting and and, uh, and finding joy in it, and that's and I think that's yeah, one of the things exactly. that this, this course really helps us to do is to find joy in repentance. I I I get the same thing. You know, we have then we have several kids in our institute class who have been coming every semester since we started yeah. it three years ago. And they tell me that, that the same thing, that this is what helps them find joy in the repentance process, because it kind of helps us to understand it quite a bit different than maybe we have uh, been programmed or conditioned to to, to see it uh, from our past, right? Well, ultimately, Scott, I think, uh, you know, the objective of this course is, uh, even though we call it repentance and forgiveness, or, you know, we... we Elder Anderson's book, now that's been written, The Divine Gift of Forgiveness. Whatever you call this course, whatever the name is or the title of the course, the, the real major objective of it, right, is how to access the atonement of Jesus Christ, how to access the power of the atonement of Jesus Christ, or better yet, how to access the power of Jesus Christ through his through atonement. His atonement. Right that we might have a relationship with him. Right. And through him, a relationship with the Father. Yeah. Yeah. All administered by the Holy Ghost. So I, it's, it ultimately comes down to that, Scott, is um, hopefully our discussions help. I know they help me. I hope they help our families and uh, others who are listening to uh, strengthen their relationship with deity. Right. Yeah. And today, uh, as we kind of uh, wind up the course, the ultimate uh, way to do that is to talk about enduring to the end. 
How can we endure to the end? How can we uh, continually, consistently uh, live the principles that we've that we've talked about, and to enjoy a relationship with deity? And uh, so, as we kind of outline this podcast today, let's talk about what enduring means, uh, what it uh, what it looks like. Uh, you know, and uh, why it's important. Maybe we should start with why it's important and then talk about what it looks like and what it means and how we define it. And then how can we, how can we do it? How can, what can we do? Uh, how can we live or what are the keys to being able to endure to the end? Yeah. And, and I think that that's probably the best way to approach it. I think a lot of our listeners, I know your wife and my wife are among them, really want to un- understand the how. Yeah. The how to all my of this. My wife always yeah. always corrects me, um, sometimes chastises me for always wanting to talk <laughs> about the, the, the doctrine and what it all means and not, a, not enough about how can we live it. So we'll try to spend at least uh, half the time, if not most of the time, yeah. on maybe the how and the keys to enduring to the end. Well, and, and this is consistent because this is sort of the culmination of the doctrine of Christ, right? It is, yeah, yeah exactly, yeah. Scott. Yeah, and, and, that, and everything that we've talked about from episode one, season one, until now, which is episode it, two. It really is a course called the we could it, call it. Yeah, the doctrine, the doctrine of, of Christ. Because that is exactly what it is. Right. Yeah, uh, you know, but uh, the, you know, there's a scripture, Doctrine and Covenants fourteen seven. If you keep my commandments and endure to the end, you shall have eternal life. Which gift is the greatest gift uh, of all of the gifts of God? Yeah, yeah, you know, and and, and so keep I, my commandments and yeah. endure to the end. It kind of just sets it all up, and for you receive us. the greatest gift that God has to offer us, right. which is eternal life or yeah. celestial life or right. life with God. So, uh, and the Savior teaches that, uh, Scott, over and over again. I think my one of my favorites is when he's teaching in the Book of Mormon. Uh, it's in the Bible. It's in all the standard works. But I love uh, the Third Nephi 15, verse 9 scripture that uh, talks about the importance of during, enduring to the end. The Savior teaching the uh, people in America about the different tribes of Israel, the lost tribes, the lost sheep. So in in Third Nephi chapter fifteen verse nine, do you have that, Scott? Yeah, I got it right here. Uh, Behold, I am the law and the light. Look unto me and endure to the end. I love that. Look unto me. We've there heard that before. Again. Yeah, we've heard that before. There but it is again. I'm just going to start Look all over. Look unto me in every thought. Yeah. Uh, oh, I love that so much. Behold, I am the law and the light. Look unto me and endure to the end, and ye shall live. For unto him that endureth to the end will I give eternal life. Mm. There's five L's in there, Scott. Look at the five L's. Behold, I am the law. Uh, law. And the light. Light. Look unto me. Look. And endure to the end, and you shall live. Live. For for unto him that endureth to the end will I give, e- again, eternal life. Okay. Is that Was that four? Yeah. Law. Light. light look. Look. And, and live. live. Well, I've always I've always loved that verse, the Savior's commandment. Uh, and then, you know, Scott, in the Book of Mormon, this is again, we're talking about why enduring to the end is so important and the command to endure to the end. 
which is over and over again in the scriptures. In the Book of Mormon, the Father speaks in in uh, little instances, little short instances. There are piece of trivia: nine hundred and forty-four words of the Father, God the Father, speaking to the prophets of the Book of Mormon, or speaking to groups of people, like when he introduces his son in 3 Nephi 11. But there are 944 words of the Father in the Book of Mormon. Uh, 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 Several of those are quoted by Nephi uh, in 2 Nephi chapter 31. And I I think uh, this scripture was quoted again recently in General Conference by a few of the prophets and I know it's your dad's favorite scripture. Yeah, yeah, it so really is. let's yeah. read Second Nephi 31, verse 20. Uh, my dad would be disappointed to know that I can't just quote it, so I will read it. But here it is. Wherefore, ye must press forward with a steadfastness in Christ, having a perfect brightness of hope, and a love of God and of all men. Wherefore, if ye shall press forward, feasting upon the word of Christ, and endure to the end. There it is. And endure to the end. Behold, thus saith the Father, you shall have eternal life. Thus saith the Father, if ye endure to the end, you shall have eternal life. And that's a pretty good verse on things that we should do in order to endure to the end and what it means, right? right. To be steadfast and to to feel the love of God and the love of all men and the the assurance of, of hope. So anyway, I, I love those scriptures and the, those commandments that are uh, throughout all the scriptures on, on the importance of enduring to the end. In the Hebrew, Scott, the word endure, uh, I think they pronounce it ahmad. Ahmad means to stand to be in good standing or to be in a certain attitude even. It's, it's not just uh, what you do, it's how you feel. To stand still means to endure the end. I think of the scriptures, stand still and know that I am God in Doctrine and Covenants section 101. It means to tarry. It means to be steadfast. It means to abide. It means to be firm. All of those things are... Uh, synonyms and phrases that uh, we equate with the term endure to the end. I, I love uh, the word patience as part of that, Scott. And uh, in Romans chapter 2, verse 7, it reads, To them who by patient continuance in well-doing seek for glory and honor and immortality, eternal life. So patience is part of enduring to the end. I mean, there, without patience, which is a Christ-like attribute, there would be no endurance without without patience. Scott, I, I know that's something that we can all work with. Even patience with ourselves. I think patience with ourselves is uh, almost uh, harder sometimes than patience with others. And yet, it's that patience uh, with ourselves that I think is so key to enduring to the end. Well, and I find, too, that uh, when, when I'm struggling with patience for myself, 
that that extends to others as well. When I, when I, so when I see myself the way I need to see myself and have patience in my well-doing and recognize my efforts against as I buck up against my weakness and so forth, that as I do that, I get the spirit in my life. When I get the spirit in my life, then it helps me to extend that patience to others yeah. as well. I think that it's kind of an eternal round. There. You know, it's that way with patience. It's that way with love. It's that way with so many other things, That's right. right? Yeah. I don't think you... You can love your neighbor as yourself, but if you don't love yourself, it's pretty hard it's to pretty hard. feel love for your neighbor. Yeah. True love, yeah. at least. Yeah. So I think that patience is really an important uh, important part of that. The striving, the we've talked about fir- having, having a firm mind, Scott. The importance of firming up our minds, I think, is such an important part of what it means. To be patient. And not only that, but the firming up and all of that goes back to the Hebrew, right? The Hebrew amad, I guess is how you say it. You know, when we looked that up, that were, those were some of the adjectives that were, or yes. synonyms rather, that were used right in there. Kind right? of the old meaning of the word. And, and we're going to talk more about this, but I think one of the real keys to the enduring to the end, which means to be in good standing, uh, one of the keys to that is to know what you stand for. And we'll talk about yeah. that when we talk about yeah. how to yeah. endure to yeah. the end. Yeah. I think uh, I think it looks like, when we say, what does enduring to the end look like, Scott? It, uh, have you ever seen the poster of the, the, the kitty holding on to a, is it a rope or whatever, and it's little claws and it's just hanging there? <laughs> and, and, As if in midair. And yeah. I think it says something like, never give up or... Yeah. Something like that. Yeah, hang in there. And some of us think that's what we that's what we think of when we think of enduring to the end. We think of just kind of uh, holding on. Well, yeah, you know, just by the by the. By the uh, claws, yep. <laughs> I you know I I know a few endurance runners. Yeah, I, I've I've tried to, uh, there my, you go. I've tried my hand at that a few times. I've run a few half marathons. Really, I haven't I haven't well, done well. I've I've finished. For I, some I, reason, Durfees just don't have the endurance. <laughs> I resemble that remark. Uh, but but I was a sprinter, but I had the hardest time running long distances. I, I was a sprinter in high school as well. I don't but, know. I just I, little uh, lungs, I guess. I, I did. I did make that attempt. I've run five half marathons uh, and a few, awesome. a few, one by myself and a few with my kids. But but I, but this is the point. You know, I know a, I have a sister in law who's world class. As a matter of fact, Jane was inducted into the St. George. They call it Road of Fame. Just this last week. Oh wow! Yeah, for cool. for for, for her, her accomplishments in running the St. George Marathon, Good for her. among others, you know, and, and so for somebody, when I see somebody that 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 like that, that's how I that's how I envision endure to the end is like oh it's my, a marathon. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Yeah, and I have a friend who runs ultra marathons, hundred milers, and I'm just like, there's just no possible way for me. And so, and so when I start thinking of endure to the end, I think of endurance, and I'm just like, man, I'm just not very good at endurance. But, but when we change it and we look at these things like this, patience and doing well, you know, maybe striving to keep the commandments, yeah. you know, maybe uh, uh, doing the works of righteousness, I can do that on a day by day basis. That's one of the blessings that I got from, uh, you know, the recovery yeah. rooms is just one day at yeah. a time with yeah, this yeah, yeah. And, and it's and if i can endure one day at a time it's true that the brethren though have talked about living the gospel as a marathon not a sprint yeah so i think it's important that we see the that we see enduring to the end as not being a sprint 
but it is it is a marathon, and it does uh, take time, and it, it takes a process of time. I I'm fascinated by that term process of time, which is in the scriptures seven times in the standard work seven times process of time. Yeah, that even though there's no time to God, He knows that time is an important element of our test and of our mortality. And he knows that over time we prove ourselves. Not not in a moment, not in an event. Uh, that does not make, one event does not make us an evil person, and one good act doesn't make us a righteous person. Right. It must be over a process right. uh, of time. It takes time. Going back to Hebrew, Ahmed, yeah. you yeah. know, to tarry, to yeah. be steadfast. So uh, I, I think, Scott, it, let's talk more about what it looks like. It doesn't look like we're just gritting our teeth and, and hanging on, you know, for dear life. I, I think we endure best, actually, with a smile on our face that even though there is sorrow and there's loneliness and there's tribulation and there's abuse uh, and we, uh, we have enemies and the accuser of us all and we're all attacked every day that we i think i think it just means that we're steady steadfast that we that we move on that we don't that we're not knocked off the path that we are not clinging to the rod of iron but that we are holding fast to the rod of iron, that we're walking the path, the covenant path, and this is uh, there's nothing uh, casual about this, but that it's it's not like we're uh, gritting our teeth and white knuckling the rod of iron. It's that we are we are moving and we are moving forward and we are trying to progress. And I know we have our setbacks. We all have our setbacks. But one thing we we don't we know we can't do is to. L- let go. It, when you let go of the iron rod, then you're in peril because of the mists of darkness that you are surely going to face spiritually, physically, or in so many different ways in mortality. I, I love the phrase of uh, Elder Maxwell. Yeah. He says, w- w- one thing about the journey in living the gospel is that no one is bragging, look, Mom, no hands. Yeah. They're holding to the iron rod. That's right. No one's no one's walking the path, not not holding on. Um, we we need to hold on, and sometimes, Scott, um, we need to hold on with both hands, uh, not just one over the other. But sometimes it's okay to pause, and uh, I I've. I've had my times in my life where I've just had to pause and uh, rest before I move on. But I'm thankfully, and I, I do believe, Scott, it's again, this, none of this is possible just on our own yeah. power. Yeah. And, and I think that's really key, right? I mean, it's one thing for us to endure to the end. It's one thing for us to think of 
what I need to do to endure to the end. But, you know, we, we really need to just kind of shift or capitulate our focus there, too, because, you know, when we talk about repentance, it's, we, it's a kind of the same thing. It's not what I yeah, can do. I right. should do what I can, but it's right. not what I can do. It's all up to him. And so it's all up to him also for my endurance. If yep. my relationship is intact with Jesus Christ, if I understand and if I'm striving to look unto him in every thought, in all that I do, and, and if you know, and if I'm striving in that direction, and I have that relationship, then the endure to the end comes to me again, one day at a time. Absolutely, marathon or whatever the journey is, uh, we don't do that under our own power. You know, we man can merit nothing of himself. I I know there's power within us. I love the scripture and doctrine and covenants. There is power within us, and we need to be engaged. Yeah. We need to be engaged in in doing a good cause and doing good things. All of that's true. We can't procrastinate. All of that's true, but ultimately the the power uh, comes from Christ as the author and the finisher of even our of even our own faith. Uh, and you know, the Savior was such a great example, Scott. I think of of how of enduring and maybe what it looks like. You know, um, I know he was sinless. He was, uh, he became perfect through his endurance, but in several of the scriptures, you know, it talks about uh, him enduring and that he, and that he did it with joy. Uh, that in fact, what's that scripture in uh, Hebrews 12, Scott, that it was through the joy that he was able to endure the suffering of the cross and the atonement. Yeah, so this is in uh, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. It says, Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy, and that's important, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down on the right hand of the throne of God. So how, how, let's just talk about Jesus for a minute and... Uh, how he was able to endure and what it looked like. So um, he's he's suffering. He's in great agony. Yeah. Right. Great suffering, and um, he cries out. He's this is in the Garden of Eden. He he cries out. If there be any other way, nevertheless, Thy will be done. Um, Scott, where's the joy in that? The joy is in understanding his purpose. The, the joy is in understanding who he is, who's he, even who's he is, right? Uh, Heavenly Fathers. And, and uh, so uh, it, his joy comes from that. His joy comes from his very purpose was to come here to redeem us, to allow us an opportunity to become heirs, join heirs with he and the Father in eternal life. And, yeah. and he understood that as he was going through that, which helped him. So those kinds of things also can help us. Yeah, so I th- I think that that's one of the keys, which we'll we'll talk about. Uh, one of the keys of uh, enduring Scott is that he knew who he was and he knew his purpose. Uh, but for us, for us, Scott, even in our sorrow, even when we just have to hold on and rest, keep holding on the iron rod, Word of God, and I believe the Word of God is Jesus Christ. And we're holding on to him, and and we know he's holding on to us. I mean, I think you have to know that. Yeah, 
think you have to have, to have faith in the perspective that he's holding us. And, uh, but even in those times, even in our times of sorrow, Scott, it's, uh, it's possible, I know, to have joy. I've experienced it. Yeah. You can have joy in your sorrow, and you can even have peace in the chaos of the world. Um, in any circumstances, in any conditions, President Nelson has taught right. us, yeah. we can have joy. And I think that enduring to the end, that even though it it can be hard, life can be hard, but I don't. I think it has to be endured with joy, no matter what the circumstances or the conditions are. And I've been thinking of the scripture again in Second Nephi, right? Lehi, Adam fell that men might be, and men are that they might have joy. Not he's not just talking about the fullness of joy after this life when we're resurrected beings and we've overcome the world. He's talking about having joy now, here and now, in the conditions of a fallen world, even in our sins and in our state of repentance, and even in when people uh, unjustly uh, act upon us or force themselves in negative ways uh, upon us, or when we're losing, or when we're, when you know, I think one of the saddest things, Scott, is unreciprocated love. I've kind of come to the conclusion this is one of the greatest trials of life, Yeah, is unreciprocated love. When you really love someone, a daughter, and then maybe, or son, and they don't, they don't return that love, or they don't feel that same love, or it could be a spouse, or whoever, I think I think one of the hardest things to endure in this life would be unreciprocated love. How can we have joy in that? Yeah. So, <laughs> how did Jesus? How did Jesus have joy in his suffering? And again, I think it gets back to just understanding who we are. I think it really does. I think that really does make the complete difference if we really understand who we are and have that relationship with Him. And another thing I think, Dave, that helps me, and I know we're going to talk more about this, but I, but it's important for me because I, you know, I've had that experience. I know you have too. You know, I think we all, uh, to a degree, have had that experience where there's just been challenges, whether it be with family or friends or again a spouse or whatever the case may be. But to have that un, unreciprocated love can be extremely difficult. But, but if we have an a, an understanding of each Sunday, let me just pause. Each Sunday, we go to the sacrament table. When we go to the sacrament table, we renew covenants. And, and part of those, uh, the promises that come to us is as we promise to take his name up on us, mm-hmm. that we'll have his spirit always be with us. If we have his spirit to always be with us, then we can find joy in literally anything. Uh, and taking his name upon us, again, as we honor our covenants, as we stay on the covenant path, I think Elder Oaks made a really great case for this um, several conferences ago, but when he talked about, for example, children who wander, you know, the best thing for a parent to do when we have trials in our families like that is to honor our covenant path. Yeah, uh, And as we do that, that gives us, again, 
Jesus's power through his atonement as we take his name on us to help us with those things. But it, it is possible to do that. I've experienced it. I know you have too. But I've also succumbed to it. I've also been beat down by it. I've also felt just really lousy uh, by those kinds yeah, of things depressed. too. And, and when I find that that's happening, it's also when I find that my alignment with my Heavenly Father through the Spirit is not completely the way it probably should be. Yeah, that you're not seeing it right. the way he sees it. That's right. You're not seeing the circumstances. You're not even seeing yourself. You're not seeing your child or whoever it the is. The other person, right. Uh, the way that God sees them. And, and I think, again, it's not just knowing who you are, Scott, but knowing whose you are and knowing that the Savior, you know, that, that he owns us, yeah. that he has redeemed us, believing that he has our children as well who have been in the covenant and... Uh, I, I just think that it's really important that we that we keep that eternal perspective. And so that's that's maybe the first how, Scott, when we talk about keys to enduring to the end, is having that eternal perspective. To having a to having an eye of faith. I I love that term which is unique in the Book of Mormon. It's let's look at Alma five fifteen and this eye of faith, Alma asking these 42 questions that he asked to kind of interview the the saints and uh, to see kind of where they're at and their standing and how they're enduring. And he asked several questions, which are, if you really go through Alma chapter 5 with some self-introspection, should strengthen all of us and strengthen our resolve to endure. And so this is one of those 42 questions. Alma asked 42 questions in this, in this chapter. Uh, this is Alma 5.15. He says, do you exercise faith? Uh, so let's ask ourselves this question. You know, let's not just read this as, pa- as words on a page, but let's, let's take this internally and, and internalize this, take it into ourselves. Do you exercise faith in the redemption of him who created you? Now, and Scott, exercise is a... Right, that's a verb. That's an active. It's it's an action it, word. It's not. Do you have faith? He's nope. not saying. Do you have faith? He's saying. Do you exercise right faith? Yeah, that's so. Well, that's a different question. You know, what are you doing? Do you exercise faith in the redemption of Him who created you? So, how would we go about exercising the faith in the redemption, Dave? Well, I th- I think again that's that's key to the covenants. Yep, and uh, to to be being able to understand that if we're making and keeping covenants and in all of those covenants we promise that we will not just serve God but that we'll we'll serve others and we'll help build his kingdom so I I think we exercise our faith by and I think it's not just faith in Christ but faith in the name of Christ and we do that by by entering and honoring sacred covenants and all that comes, and again, it says, um, after this, do you exercise faith in the redemption of him who created you? Do you look forward with an eye of faith and view this mortal body raised in immortality? And so do you, let's make sure we understand what that's saying, right? Because it's so easy to just, okay, 
read through that and be okay. But what it's saying is, do you look forward with an eye of faith, and do you see your mortal body raised in immortality? Do you see yourself resurrected? Do you see yourself redeemed, have faith in the redemption? And now do you see yourself as being resurrected? Do you view this mortal body raised in immortality and this corruption raised in incorruption to stand before God to be judged according to the deeds which have been done in the mortal body? Yeah. Well, I think this is related to Elder Nelson's, President Nelson's uh, recent conference talk on thinking celestial, right? I think it's related to that. I think that we have to look beyond this life. And I, I really believe what he's saying there is what do, what do you really believe about the next life? Right. What do you believe about the resurrection? Do you believe you're going to be resurrected? And do you believe there's going to be in a judgment? And do you believe there is going to be accountability and that God's holding us accountable? That's all, I think, part of having an eternal perspective and what it means to have an eye of faith. And I think that we should see ourselves as uh, immortal beings enjoying the blessings of eternal life. Right. It gets back to, my, you know, my friend that I've told the story about who was struggling and so despondent over the, the, uh, his son who was, who was struggling with a, a drug addiction and had gotten heavily involved and left the family. And anyway, he's so despondent about that until... In the Chicago Temple, he he, in a vision, really, in a vision, he sees his son while he's sitting there, you know, in the celestial room. He looks, he feels his impression to look towards, to towards the veil, and he sees his son coming through the veil, dressed in the robes of the priesthood. Uh, he he had a he had a gift. Yeah. And a blessing and a vision, yeah. and it changed his whole perspective yeah. of how he saw his son. I think President um, Monson and others have said we should all see individuals, not necessarily for what they're doing or who they are right now, but we should see God in them and see them for what they can and will become. In Hebrews, I, I think it also kind of iterates this or reiterates this point. Uh, yeah, you know, I love this. Scott. I, I do too. Paul says in Hebrews eleven, thirteen, um, these all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off and were persuaded of them. That's describing Abraham. Yeah, that's describing Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, their patriarchal fathers. Uh, uh, with the Abrahamic covenant, you know, that they were promised that the gospel of Jesus Christ would come through them, that their seed would have the priesthood, that they would receive their promised land. All of those promises associated with the Abrahamic covenant, which is so important to the covenants that, that we make today in the restored gospel. And they they never saw them completely fulfilled, Scott, but they... Saw them afar They off. saw them afar off. Yeah. Beyond this life, beyond yeah. beyond this veil of tears. Right. So 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 let's just push pause for a second. So we talk about endure to the end, and to me, endure to the end because of my association with endurance in my mortal life kind of brings up some prickly feelings, right? But but when we talk about endure to the end and we see it as having faith in things afar off, 
uh, as we see it in having a relationship with Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, his power being alive in our lives through his atonement. And then we have a, a situation where maybe a kid struggles or a friend or a spouse or what have you struggles. Uh, we don't throw our hands in the air and say, oh, all is lost. It's yeah. not going to happen. It's not going to work. Because of faith, um, we can die in faith, not having received the promises yet, but having seen, but by seeing them afar off, and we're persuaded of them. In other words, that persuasion that we can see those things will also give us inspiration and motivation to stay ourselves on the covenant path. Absolutely. And I, I think that's how we endure in joy. Right. You know, to, to be able to endure in joy, you, ha- you have to know that the atonement of Jesus Christ is infinite. It, that's requisite. It's absolutely required that it's we understand infinite. that in order for us to endure in joy. Yeah, absolutely. And then it covers us here, and then it'll cover our children. If they are repentant and they can repent, we know in the next life, yeah, even, choices even those have who to be rejected made. the prophets can repent in the next life. And uh, I, I, I take so much comfort and joy uh, from having... Uh, perspective, Scott. That it's, I I know the scripture says that, uh, you know that it's in this life that we perform our labors. Yeah. And I know that we shouldn't procrastinate the day of our repentance. I know all of that. I also know that in context of that scripture, that they didn't have work for the dead. They weren't performing ordinances for the dead. And it was true that if you didn't, if you didn't uh, do your labors and you did, you died before Jesus came. There was no preaching of the gospel in the spirit prison, but that changed when he was resurrected. And uh, I, I know that the greatest repentance is not taking place in this life, Scott. I believe, I know the same spirit that possesses us here will possess us there. I believe that. I do too. I absolutely believe that, but I also know that can change. That can change when someone in, uh, and this is Lorenzo Snow in the teachings of Lorenzo Snow, said that he believed that when people received the gospel in a, in a spiritual setting, I can't remember the word he used, that when conditions were more favorable, that there would be thousands and thousands who would receive the gospel there who would not receive it here. Yeah, that's beautiful. And, uh, and I believe that, and I believe that may be true of our own our own children and our our own family members and dear friends who maybe, for whatever reason, have, have maybe rejected it or been deceived by hypocrites or others in this life. Right. So uh, I think eternal perspective is really one of the one of the keys, Scott, to enduring to the end. And we and we talked about it knowing who we are and knowing our relationship and having a relationship knowing whose we are, uh, that, those, are all, those are all keys. And then, Scott, I've, I've been thinking about this quite a bit. In fact, it was in Maine where I was, I was reading an article about this and about how in our generation, in our culture, even in our country, I'm, I'm not just speaking about uh, people in the church, but people out of the church. Generally, so many are having a hard time enduring to the end, and I don't say that in a gospel sense. I just mean life, life in general. So many are cutting their lives short yeah. or giving up on life, and yeah. the 
the suicidal rates yeah. and the the throwing in the towel and giving up is is so much more prevalent now than it than it has been in in my lifetime at least and uh i i just well it, i was reading an article about that and and why that may be yeah you know and I, and i and i think i can maybe speak to that i want to hear more about your article but i think that you know for example in in the rooms of recovery 2 weeks ago tomorrow um a, a friend of ours uh, lost her son to suicide uh, because he just gave up because he, he was struggling. He had some, and he had struggles that none of us can understand. And a lot of those were imposed on him by his own addiction and so forth. But even after getting sober for a period of time, you know, 30 plus, maybe 60 days or so, Mm -hmm. uh, there's just something sometimes missing. And sometimes there's a chemical imbalance that we don't understand. And sometimes there's other things, but you know, David, the rooms of, uh, addiction recovery are not getting smaller. Uh, they're they're growing in size. Day, I'm sure. Day by day, week by week, year by yes. year, they're growing in size. And the one of the biggest problems that I see, uh, this is you know from my own perspective, but I've been around it a minute. You know, from my own perspective, one of the biggest problems that we see is people come in here, and this was partially true for me, is that we have lost our sense of purpose. Yeah. We've lost our sense of direction. We don't have a reason to get up in the morning and to go out and be fruitful. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that's what that, this article I read was about, that so many of uh, the rising generation, this, this was kind of a secular writer, but, um, that they've 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 given up because they they lack purpose. Yeah, they lack purpose. They they turn to um, all the other things that are going. You know, they turn to gaming. They they uh, they turn to well, what do you even call that gaming? Uh, That's what you call it. They turn to gaming. <laughs> yeah, you know we, we you know we had this uh, discussion last week in our institute class, and you'll remember this discussion from when you were teaching this class that you designed. Uh, when we talked about bearing our weapons of rebellion, uh, you know, and we have these weapons of rebellion that we pick up because we're looking for purpose, but these weapons of rebellion so often are distractions for our lack of purpose. And so yeah. we fill that emptiness, that empty hole. Uh, gaming is a big time issue. A couple of uh, semesters ago, I had a young man in my class who had an, a, a gaming addiction. And at first I kind of poo-pooed that. You know, it's like, oh, come on. How how tough can a, a gaming addiction be? You yeah. know, maybe like some people would poo-poo me, but like uh, when I would say, I have an alcohol problem, we'll just quit drinking. You know, for me, it's easy to say, we'll just quit gaming. Yeah. But, but we don't understand that it's, we're trying to fill the hole that the lack of purpose is created. And, and we, when we fill it, we're not trying to fill it with anything um, meaningful. We're just trying to numb it out. Yeah, right. And I think closely related to that, Scott, is a sense of entitlement. Oh, boy. We, f- we feel entitled. We feel entitled to do anything we please, anything we want. Yeah. That, okay, my, my purpose is to be happy. Well, then you do that's, you. That's my, that's my purpose <laughs> right? is to do what I want, Yeah. to do what feels good. I, I'm entitled to do that, and it leads to... Uh, addictions. I think gaming can be an addiction. Pornography is yep. an addiction. Yep. Uh, other drugs, gambling's an addiction. Even well, social good. media. And they they go from they go from sports game to sports yeah. game. Yeah. And their 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 happiness in life uh, 
is based upon things that are so yeah. temporal. They want what they want here and now. Just, we live in a microwave society. Yo, there and, you go. And and they can't yeah. they yeah. can't endure. Yeah, everybody's looking for the easy button and the now. Yeah, here and now. Yeah, you know, and even seemingly, um, even seemingly good things, right? Can be can can fall into this category. So I asked last week. I said, "What's some of the uh, weapons of rebellion? What are some of the things that we use to distract us that that?" create a distraction from our real purpose in our lives. Uh, and one of the a young man raised his hand and I called on him and he said, reading. Now reading is a great thing. Yes. Right? Yeah. Uh, reading, if I could get my kids to read more when, when they were children, I felt like I was accomplishing something. Right. You know, I had a dad who I saw read and, and so I developed a great habit of reading. I loved reading and I still do because I saw my dad teach me how to become that person. That was one of the great things about my dad that I will always be grateful for. However, you know, if we find ourselves reading and, and I know, I know I, I haven't had this problem and I said that, uh, you know, in class, I was like, yeah, man, it's just not a problem I've ever had. But it can be a problem because people can get engrossed in or check out of life by in diving into novels or, or you know, or whatever. And I want to be careful yeah. because there's some, some real value and there's some real merit in some of that. But even the things that can have seeming merit can also be a distraction for it, that. It's, and it's more than it just being a distraction, Scott. I mean, anything can become a form of idolatry. Right. Depending on how we use it, how we think of it, it can become a form of idolatry. I read another interesting article about how peace, seeking peace, Mm. can become a form of idolatry. If no one is willing to contend against the things that are wrong, then even peace can become a form of idolatry. If you worship peace, if you worship reading, if you worship uh, certain authors or books or fantasy or whatever it may be, yeah. it becomes more than a distraction. Yeah. It, it takes us away from God, and anything that moves us away from Him is a form of idolatry. So I, I think, again, one of the real keys... To this whole idea of enduring to the end, Scott, is having a a purpose, and that purpose better be the right thing for the right reason. I, I've even thought in, in the church we think we talk so much about having eternal families, and I think if you were to have asked me twenty years ago or whatever, what's my purpose? I would have said my, my purpose is to have an eternal family. My whole purpose is to have an eternal family, to be a, to be a dad, to be a granddad, to be a good husband. And that's honorable. That's, All of those things are honorable. That's a good thing, right? You bet. Absolutely. But what if my wife would have left me for someone else, and maybe no fault of my own. I, I have good friends that that's happened to. Their wife has left them, their spouse, or their how many wives have lost their husbands for... Right. You know, and all they wanted to do was be uh, have a celestial marriage. They wanted family. to have a celestial eternal family, and their their husbands leave them, or their husbands act out, break commandments, or or they get divorced for whatever reason, and and then their children leave them. I, I have a, a sweet friend whose 
wife left him, and and that caused such trauma to the children that the children left the church. Uh, while he was serving as a, as a bishop, he lost his job because he was a seminary teacher. He lost his position as being a bishop. He, uh, okay. So what's what's your purpose in that? Right. Day? Yeah. Well, you better have the right purpose. Yeah, because if you don't, then you get back to the stuff we talked about. You know, that's when we start seeing suicide be an option for folks. That's when we see if you all don't have the right purpose, uh, atrocities abound in those types. Of even situations. even having the purpose of an eternal family can probably put you in a in a in a pretty black deep hole if if your purpose is not a, just a little bit higher than that. Yeah. Which I believe goes back to Mary, Martha, and what Jesus said to Martha. Martha, one thing is needful. And I think that one needful thing is is really um, referenced to by Jesus when he in, in uh, Matthew 11 says, Come unto me, come unto me, all ye that labor, and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, and learn of me, he says. For I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. I think, I think that's, that is probably the purpose that we should all share. This is the one divine purpose scott that we have some control over there's so many there's so many other things that we desire that we that we want that we believe or have somehow been taught that if we keep the commandments that this and this and this and this and all these blessings will come to us and i know eventually they will and that's again going back to having an eternal perspective you need to have an eye of faith and an eternal perspective i don't think abraham saw saw nothing but bliss and all the blessings that he was promised no. fulfilled in his life as we read in hebrews died not knowing or having seen the promises afar off but i i think that we have to ha- seek to have a relationship with our Heavenly Father and to feel His love and to see the face of Jesus Christ. I've been thinking about, I just, I just have to make that more my purpose personally, is seeking the face of Jesus Christ in my life, seeking to know Him, seeking to know God. We, right? We've talked about that. Yeah. This is life eternal. Yeah. To know Thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom Thou hast sent. John seventeen three. But I, if that's not our purpose... And we and our motives are not right in seeking it. I think almost any other any other purpose that we have can can maybe backfire on our on some of our joy and happiness in this life, Scott. Well, and, and I think that it's important for us to again going back to you know in Second Nephi where uh, it says that they were um, they were led carefully down to hell because they were like to say. All is well in Zion, yea, Zion prospereth. Well, they, if we focus on those things like you were talking about, and, and it's good that we do, it's good that we focus on and have the goal of a unique family. Yeah, we've family. been commanded to. It, we've that's been important. commanded that's, to do those things. That's, that's, that's important. We've been commanded to have an eternal family. We've been com- commanded to be married. We've been commanded to do all those things. All but those if that's things. our only purpose. Yeah. 
we got to remember, we got to go back to the experience with Mary and Martha, right? There is one needful thing, only one needful thing, and that's important for us to understand. And that needful thing is our relationship with Jesus Christ. Do we put on his atonement? Are we having the opportunity to have the blessings of his power alive in our lives because of his atonement? I love uh, in Omni. Uh, chapter 1, yeah. there is only one chapter, but in chapter 1, and now my beloved brethren, I would that she should come unto Christ, who is the Holy One of Israel, and partake of his salvation and the power of his redemption. Yea, come unto him and offer your whole souls as an offering unto him and continue in fasting and praying and endure to the end, and as the Lord liveth, ye will be saved. Mm. That's it. That's our purpose. That's it. I that is I remember one general conference they quoted that scripture I think five times and it's only been a few years ago. And I I really believe Scott that that is our purpose to seek the face of Jesus to seek redemption, to seek salvation, exaltation and uh, to do it through our our continual repentance continually holding on to the rod of iron, moving along the path of progression, the covenant path. And and in, we're never gonna be we're never gonna be sinless and we're never gonna be perfect. And understanding the doctrine yep. of the fall I'm kind of summarizing our course a little bit, Scott. <laughs> understanding the fall, that we are human and accepting that and even celebrating it is so key, I think, to our joy in our enduring, and then to understand that the infinite atonement of Jesus Christ covers all of the things that we really don't have control over, conditions and circumstances we don't have control over, and that through the atonement of Jesus Christ we can receive the redemptive power, not only the redemptive power, the enabling power, and be strengthened through his atoning sacrifice, and not only the redemptive and enabling power, but the compensatory powers of the atonement of Jesus Christ that compensate us in all of our weakness and all the sins committed against us and all the, in, in not only iniquities, but inequities that we experience. Understanding, really having that understanding of the atonement of Jesus Christ, Scott, is really, I think, key in us seeking to um, show our gratitude and to obtain a, a relationship with Jesus Christ. I there's a scripture in uh, Doctrine and Covenants, section 67, which I've always loved, and I've always believed that this is a, this is a commandment uh, and um, can be a really high purpose. He calls it a privilege and a promise. Uh, in Doctrine and Covenants 67, verse 10, Again, verily I say unto you, that it is your privilege and a promise I give unto you, that inasmuch as you strip yourselves from jealousies and fears and humble yourselves before me, this is the Lord speaking through a prophet, for ye are not sufficiently humble. The veil shall be rent, and you shall see me, and know that I am, not with the carnal, neither natural, but with the spiritual mind. And then he tells us, Wherefore, continue in patience, let your minds, let not your minds turn back. 
in mine own due time ye shall see and know. I I just I just see enduring. That's how I see enduring, Scott, is that impatience, in humility, in gratitude for the atonement of Jesus Christ and uh, with perfect love which overcomes all fears and jealousies that we should seek the see the face of God. And, uh, and I have great faith uh, that, that, that that will happen. That's my perspective. That's more than my perspective. That's, that's my knowledge, my, my testimony. I know by the Spirit that's true. And the final maybe key is to have the Holy Ghost. Right. Maybe this is the last word, Scott, is the importance of us uh, seeking and receiving the gift of the Holy Ghost to be our personal constant companion who will continually, if we seek and receive him, administer the atonement of Jesus Christ in our life. And if we have the Spirit of the Lord with us, we will feel the love of God. And if the love of God is with us, then who can be against us, Paul asks. And I, I, I know that we can have joy even in really hard, difficult times, and we can have peace uh, if we will have the Spirit of the Lord who administers those gifts of the Spirit into our life, including the powers and blessings uh, of the atonement of Jesus Christ in our life. So I, th- I think those are the keys to our enduring to the end. What are, what are they again, Scott? Identifying who we are. Yep. Having an eternal perspective. Yep. Knowing who we are and yep. knowing our purpose. Right. Having a, having a purpose, understanding who we are. Having the spirit of the Holy Ghost with us. You know, yeah. we, we started this uh, conversation today when we talked about enduring to end and made a little comparison to running a marathon. You know, well, in our spiritual marathons, how much more energy, how much more, how much more strength, how much more faith, how much more confidence in our, uh, our ability to follow him will we have if we have the spirit in our lives. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that's the key. Absolutely. That's absolutely the key. I can run any spiritual marathon that I'm asked to run as long as I have the Spirit in my life. Walking, if not running. Walking, as Paul Paul says, we should walk in the Spirit. Right. We should live in the Spirit. Right. By the Spirit. And every time we feel the Spirit, what should we know, Scott? We should know that we're being forgiven of our sins and that the atonement of Jesus Christ in all of its power redeeming, enabling, compensatory, in all of its power, is alive in our lives. Not easy, but so simple. And the covenant that we make every week, weekly, should be such comfort to us and give us such power in our, in our desire and effort to endure that if we will remember him always, his spirit will always be with us. Which gift is the greatest gift of all? That's my, my blessing uh, and hope that I pray for all of us to receive is that as we remember the Lord Jesus Christ and the gift of God's Son to each of us, if we can always remember that, 
and seek to have a relationship with our Heavenly Father, with the Savior, then we will always have a relationship and a uh, companionship of the Holy Ghost to be with us. And that's the key to enduring to the end with joy. And in closing, I'd just like to share this final scripture in Doctrine and Covenants, section 93, verse 1. Verily, thus saith the Lord, it shall come to pass that every soul who forsaketh his sins and come unto me and calleth upon my name and obeyeth my voice and keepeth my commandments shall see my face and know that I am. You know, we talk about uh, seeing the face of God in all things is one of the ways that we endure or one of the ways that, yeah, the one of the ways that we endure to the end. And and it really is key. Uh, Thanks for being with us today as we've talked about this most important topic. Uh, I hope you have felt the spirit. Uh, We pray that you have. We pray that uh, you'll continue to join us each and every week as we begin a new episode, in a new season, rather, and uh, we look forward to being with you each week. As always, remember that you have been redeemed through his blood. Thanks for being with us. Awesome.